Hello, listeners. Welcome to A Writer's World. This is Sean Griffin, a poet and writer who hopes to share some part of that world with you here on KWNK. It's a big subject, and we'll see where it leads. Today's program is entitled Driving Through the Desert, Some Literary Reverberations. For the last ten days, I was on the road to the desert southwest. And when I say the desert, it conjures images which might mean a hundred locales and not perhaps what has lived in those regions. It was early spring and the weather was predictably cold and windy. Snow followed for much of the journey. It seemed my wife and I could not outrun the high desert of home. Of course, we left believing warmth would follow. What followed was a tempest of weather and rumination. On the way to Las Vegas, we drove through Tonopah and saw the new Belvada Hotel, fully restored and opened. I thought of Gail Marie Palmeyer's poem, Where Do You Go From Tonopah, with its lines, In Nevada, it's always about trains, drinks, connections, missed and made and wholly imagined. Leaving town, driving the long black line to Goldfield and beyond, I I remembered the late Kirk Robertson's poem, driving to Vegas, with the closing lines, all that neon beckoning you in from the dark. And because I have driven these roads for years, I am haunted by their poems. They are guideposts which stand roadside as I blur through yet another outpost of rusted cars and fallen mine shacks. I remember the week spent in Silver Peak, north of Tonopah, teaching elementary kids to read poetry like it were a normal activity. Of course, they were too young to know any different and embraced Kenneth Patchen's What Shall We Do Without Us, a book of short poems and paintings. They were ready to accept his version of things until the green teacher made it seem hard to do so. After class, I held the young girl he scolded for speaking without raising her hand, as if she were the first globe mallow to bloom in that town of lithium mines. It seemed the poems followed me right into the neon. That night at friends for dinner, our first since being vaccinated, more poems were shared. The thread of literature that kept us through this long, isolating year. My my wife left with still more volumes to read, and we drove down I-40 to Albuquerque. I thought of the many friends in Las Vegas whose words are scripture for the sun. My late friend Stephen Liu, who tried to teach Shakespeare in the endless heat. My friends Doug Unger and Richard Wiley, whose novels undertake the thorny questions, so that we may long for more than what we see or believe. My friends from the workshop who still try to make the desert home despite parole and petty differences with work and school and poetry. And the great teacher and young adult author Dave Winkler, whose sermons to students kept keep them returning years after retirement for affirmation, for solace in that same desert. The desert has little authority of place or origin. It is not the Grand Canyon, and people can forget what it is they are seeing or not seeing. But that's why it has held such interest for me. This creosote bush, this desert marigold, this choya, that that blooms once a year for a few weeks marks the passage of time in a dry place. They are seminal keepers of color, where the bands of color are thin by aridity, and the contrast of light is a reckless impermanence, 
a teetering between gatehouse and habitat's end. Away from the stifle of sound, the wind has your attention. It is a cue. Stay with me. Do not leave. I will bring you silt from a wash two states away. I will weather the panels of wood out your door. I will enter your windows and make the floor soft with dust. I will become the thing you miss. I will stop and the sound will reverberate. I was reading Willie Vallotton's Don't Skip Out on Me, his most recent novel of the desert. A young man from Tonopah, Paiute and Irish, tries to become a boxer, but the story is really a story of living with the elements of place, a sheep ranch on the high desert, and the limitations of what someone can do without losing themselves. It is the first time I have read of the desert with such reverence since the novels of Laxalt, which are sorely left wanting in this time of sudden electronic diversion. Laxalt's gorgeous memoir of a sheep herder father, Sweet Promised Land, was the genesis of much fiction and debate in this big open state. How could an immigrant family persist to become leaders and caretakers of the common good in the American West of his birth? a subject we would butt up against the longer we drove through the desert. How do we belong to this West? In Albuquerque, I had lunch with a poet of that desert, Jimmy Santiago Baca, whose book of poems, Martin and Meditations on the South Valley, has become a pilgrimage for so many readers. It is the story of a young Chicano about to re be reborn as a father, poet, and steward of the silenced a man who took from the ashes of his early days to recreate a literary life without the trappings of a literary city. It's hard to define how to make that life when the literary promoters want the desert to be like either coast with cactus. Like Baca, the place of his home, of his inspiration, is misunderstood. But he can make those choices now. He has written words that do not require their approval. He has become the story they seek out, and their desire to represent someone outside of the grain. We drove further south into Hatch on the New Mexico-Arizona border. Snow followed us much of the way. At times the window was blighted with hail and freezing rain, and then we stopped. The snow plows were flashing their yellow caution lights. We drove past a plume of smoke rising into the clouds. A Ford Explorer was engulfed in flames. The driver nowhere to be found. It was a crucible of worry. Someone had lost their ability to navigate this usually dry and now snowy place. Someone returned home without the reassurance of safe passage from here to there. This is another conundrum of this place. You can lose your bearings in such an open expanse. You can become a very small part of the landscape and whisper to no one for miles. You can literally disappear into the quiet. That has kept many from returning to its widening valleys, that small voice of living with oneself on a path to the next ridge. Once I picked up a hitchhiker who came down from a storm in his hang glider, hundreds of miles from the Death Valley Ridge he left from. He flew as far as the lightning and wind would let him, but the voice he traveled with was certain. This was where he was supposed to be. 
When we reached Deming, New Mexico, the rain was pouring and I watched the storefronts for some movement, some representation of existence. A summer before, two busloads of immigrant children were dropped in the McDonald's parking lot, the temperature near 100 degrees. They had nothing, just what they wore. And suddenly they were released into the desert, without passport, money, food, or water, released from custody of the Border Patrol. They had come seeking shelter in the desert 30 miles north of the Mexican border. They tried to reconcile the absence of the language they spoke, the culture they grew up in, with the promise of a new land. Suddenly, the desert became a home for young children. Were it not for the faith community and others, they would have ended up without so much as a place to rest. I look for them in the windows of that town, look to see if they have migrated to another life of school and possible work in the shops as we drove past. Under the golden arches, children had been released. Without pretense or preference of judgment, they walked into the desert. This story has been chronicled by many, but I want to close with an excerpt from Jimmy Santiago Baca's book-length poem, When I Walk Through That Door, I Am an Immigrant Mother's Quest. This section is the mother's voice recalling her son who was taken into custody. I keep walking, carrying you in my thoughts. I feel like I am walking up a mountain. My legs do not betray me when I walk up the steep hills. Every footstep in the dirt opens a door, affirms your existence, your rounded presence in the fallen leaves that stick to the twigs like small ancient hands. Sink back into earth to stir roots, water, and seeds, to, stir, to serve in its spring the gruel of flowers and field grasses. I keep walking, carrying you in my thoughts. I feel I am walking up a mountain. Come, my son, let your heart be as the cactus with its spikes protruding from the crusty dirt. Offer the world your bouquet of thorns. Your heart reddens the dirt when you touch the world. The desert has become an unwitting shore for so many travelers, a place of refuge despite its extremes of heat and dryness. It is a land of little compromise, but home to many who farm, work, and tend to their families without forethought of malice. It is a place whose literature defies explanation because into that same desert we walk with our differences. Maybe the child in Baca's poem will awake us to the greater need of each other. This concludes our program on driving through the desert, some literary reverberations. Please join us in the collective ethosphere on the first and third Sundays at 5 p.m. for our next meditation on words, or stream it at kwnkradio.org. And please support your local independent bookstore. In Reno, that's Sundance Books and Music, and in Las Vegas, that's the Writer's Block. They're open, and we need them. Thank you, be safe, and spread a little kindness wherever you are.